This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. I'm DJ Short and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so welcome to those of you checking it out over there. For those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon after another busy weekend of MLB action as usual. The Mets are terrible. The Pirates are suddenly ice cold. They've lost seven in a row, but still in first place. It's rare that you see that. The Cardinals making weird decisions about Wilson Contreras. Eloy Jimenez is hurt again. Lots going on. Scott, how's it going? Good. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, I don't know that Marmol is long for that manager job in mm. St. Louis. It's one thing to to be playing poorly, which they obviously are, but just a lot of weird stories, you, you know, yeah. questioning effort from players and they signed Contreras, who played in their division for eight years. They had a good look at him, yeah. and then they signed him, and now they don't apparently like you know they don't like the defensive version of, of what they're getting. I, I don't know how they yeah. could miss out on that. I realize a very difficult thing. He's coming in after Yadier Molina, who was a beloved right. player and obviously a defensive wizard. So it's not the easiest act to follow. But the Cardinals are one of those teams that usually they seem to have the right voodoo. They seem to just find quirky things that work out. A lot of times they yeah. have. Um, a lot of talent, of course. You know, at least they got to finally get a win over Detroit on Sunday. Goldschmidt had the three homer game, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is fixable. The good thing is the division is so weak. And, and you mentioned right. the Pirates. Just when I was ready to accept the Pirates, I, look, I, I don't think it's the 1979 Pirates or the 1971 Pirates or anything like that. But I'm like, oh, okay, Pirates. Here we go. 85 win season. Let's do this. I got a couple of Pirates on my pitching staff. Well, Velasquez is hurt. Oviedo's had his lunch handed to them, him recently. And now, it's it's hard. I know baseball is a long-term game, right? It's a big sample game. And it's hard not to see like a week's worth of play and get messed up by it. Right now, the National mm-hmm. League, other than the Braves, I guess the Dodgers had a pretty good week. Yeah, The Mets don't look that great. Nobody nope. in the Central looks that great. It's, it's hard to really set your watch by anything. And that's what we're looking for, right, is what can you set your watch by? Who's good? Who's not good? Who can we stream against? All that stuff. And yeah. right now, I feel like I'm losing my footing a little bit, in part because I just when I accepted the Pirates and got some Pirates on my roster, it feels like the whole stock went belly up. Yeah, and the, the Brewers lost six in a row until yesterday. They beat the Giants. So I, if there's any solace Cardinals fans can take away from this current situation, it's that the Pirates and Brewers aren't running away from, uh, with things. Like, this is still gettable. 
But I feel like they're making some very uncardinals decisions. A lot of like panicky, strange moves. Jordan Walker option down after making the team on opening day. Now you have Contreras, DH playing some left field. Like, will we see Jordan Walker again? Like, what? What are they doing? I don't. I don't get it. But. And they they sent down Walker. I mean, yeah, I know the slugging wasn't where they thought he was, but where it would be. But two seventy four average, three twenty one OBP. I. I think he'd learn a lot more hitting major league pitching than whatever he could do against triple A pitching. But uh, I know he hasn't done this. this coincidentally, he actually hasn't hit at all since he got sent down. But yeah, uh, I don't think I, I'll tell you what I, I, and I don't take any joy in anybody losing the job or anything. And I don't know Marvel personally, but so much of baseball is the emotional tenor of a team. A, a lot of the moves strategically are made by the front office or m- maybe people know kind of what the move should be, but you have to have a handle on your team emotionally. And I don't think he has that right now. I, again, I, it's hard to imagine how he's going to survive this unless they rip off like, you know, an 11 game winning streak or something, because in part, because I just don't think he's the right fit for this roster. But also, as you said, nobody's running away. So the idea is, and I know like my friend, Joe Sheehan will talk about, well, firing a manager usually in season is almost never a good idea. This is a case where I think it is a good idea because the division is still there to be won. Nobody looks unbeatable. So if yep. you think you have the wrong guy for the job, man, I, I would. It's at the point now where anything is something better, and it's also a case of when you change the coach, what you do is now the players know there's no more excuses. They can blame everything on Marmol in their heads if they want to, but if they change the right. manager, then it's like okay, it's on us now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if when they have a new voice in there, if that's what it comes to, all of a sudden the Cardinals magically start playing better, and maybe the new manager gets a lot of credit. But it's really just the idea that they just need somebody different, a different tone, a different voice in the clubhouse. I would never count out the Cardinals because of Cardinal Devil Magic, with, yeah. which we have seen so many times. Too many uh, times. I have experienced personally as a Mets fan, so I would not rule them out. I think for the Mets, though, I think maybe we overlooked how poorly constructed they were, especially in the rotation. We talked about it a little bit leaning into the year. They're, you know, oldest rotation in the league you know, late thirties pitchers, mid thirties pitchers, they've all for the most part broken down already. And it's a month, it's six weeks into the season. You know, it's, it's scary. I, I, it's hard for me to be overly optimistic. Justin Verlander's back. That should, that should help. Certainly Carlos Carrasco might be back this week, but still, you know, what we've seen, what we've seen from Max Scherzer, it's hard for me to be optimistic there either. You know, the thing the thing with pitchers versus hitters is that when hitters slump, you think, okay, he'll, he'll iron it out. You know, I'll feel better in a couple of days when he gets a couple of hits, whatever it is. But when a pitcher that you paid a lot for at your draft, like like Corbin Burns, who I, I paid a lot for in some drafts, Sandy Alcatara was good on the weekend, but he's been a little bit of a disappointment. Aaron Nola, I'm just wondering if he throws too many strikes. I know he almost never walks anybody. I think he might, yeah. be, he might behoove him to actually walk a few guys or maybe even – Plunk a batter now and then. I think he's. I think people are too comfortable digging in against him. You mentioned the Mets pitchers. Um, I, I feel lucky I didn't have any Scherzer or Verlander. I wasn't against it. It's just pitchers yeah. I liked more in that pocket. But everybody who plays fantasy has some pitcher who's breaking their heart. Look at the Astros, right? Another team that's kind of scuffling Ooh. right now. They just lost yeah. two of their pitchers, yep. uh, one of them for the season. So yep. they're going to have to yep. really scramble for their depth. But um when, pitcher, when pitchers don't pitch well, it, it really messes with you because your first thought is, what's wrong here? Is the shoulder barking? Is the elbow barking? Is the forearm barking? Is this guy even healthy? And um, there's a lot of pitchers right now I'm concerned about. 
So for today's show, we're going to talk all about FOMO players. One of your favorite terms here, mm -hmm. Scott. Yeah. Basically, players we wish we had more of on our fantasy rosters. The players when you sort on Yahoo and you see them at the top of the leaderboard in different categories, the players we wish we had on our squad. So before we get into that, uh, just a quick reminder, download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. You mentioned already, Scott, that Paul Goldschmidt had a three-homer game Sunday against the Tigers. He was on your team in our home run derby uh, from Thursday through Sunday. We each picked five players last Wednesday's show. He got you close to me. Goldschmidt was the only three homers you got <laughs> over the five days. I only got four. I got two from Matt Olson, two from Randy Rosarena. So I won four to three. Uh, you did it well done, um, and you did it with two guys I wanted the draft. So it was, it was especially painful. Like, you know, that's what I get for taking Pete Alonso in the first round. You came right back with Olson. I think it would have probably been my next pick, but it, it's one of those things where it's like. Like say like you lose your head to head game in fantasy and then on Sunday your pitcher throws a shutout or something. It's like, well, it's too late. Yeah. I've already lost. That's how I felt about <laughs> Goldschmidt. And he ended up on my FOMO list when we get into it. And I'll explain yeah. why I don't have a lot of Paul Goldschmidt, one of my favorite players. And it's just nice to see him doing Paul Goldschmidt things. Unfortunately, I got no fantasy kickback from that. But yeah. well done. You have beat me. You conceded the first pick. You said no problem. We'll we'll defer to the second half, and and you beat me convincingly to the point that I knew on Sunday I was already dead. Um, I I didn't see four home runs coming. Maybe. So Ronald Acuna, yeah. I don't know why you couldn't hit any home runs. Jared Kelnick, yeah. another FOMO guy. I, I don't know why you, you took four days off, but I have shamed <laughs> myself. I picked the loser in the Derby too, so it was a tough weekend for me. I picked the loser in the Derby too. Uh, Trout and Otani, no homers for me. Patrick Wisdom, nothing there either. Uh, so not, not exactly the most thrilling home run derby, but, uh, we do have a, a victor here. So FOMO players, players we wish we had more of on our respective rosters. I'll kick it off here with Jorge Mateo of the Orioles. I was worried about the playing time coming into the season. I just wasn't sure if it would be there every day. And also he's had a flawed approach in the majors. So those two factors combine. I, I faded him in March. His ADP in March on NFBC was 266.78. But currently, Jorge Mateo is the number six ranked player in Yahoo leagues, hitting 304, six home runs, 19 RBIs, 12 stolen bases. You put a big circle around those 12 stolen bases. 24 runs scored over 29 games. And it's not just the speed and the counting stats. It's what he's doing behind it. The strikeout rate last year for Mateo, 27.6%. So far this year, 20%, which you can live with. Mateo isn't swinging as often. The chase rate is down. Mm -hmm. Swinging strike rate is improved. So not just the speed. This is kind of a player all around who is progressing. Mateo at one point in the Yankees organization was a top prospect. Definitely this, the star has faded a little bit since then where he's more of a one-trick pony in fantasy leagues. A little bit of pop last year, but mostly speed. But now he's this all-around player. Yeah, had you not put Mateo on your FOMO list, I probably would have put him on mine. Don't have him anywhere. And usually when I see category juice, I guess this, the power is what I didn't see coming. Because he hit 13 home runs last year in a full season. That's nice. He already has six this year, so that's not a rate a power rate we would have expected. But 
there's improvement. As you said, the approach to the plate has improved. He's making more contact, which are always good things. Also, the only real reasons we care about defense is like you care about defense behind your fantasy pitcher, but you also care about defense if it keeps you in the lineup. And Mateo, I mean, he's not Ozzy Smith out there, but he's a good defensive player, and that's just another reason for the Orioles to prioritize him. Bottom line is this. He's going to run. We know that. We saw it last year. He's not going to be powerless, and maybe the six home runs isn't real. Maybe you split the difference between the power rate he showed last year and what he showed this year. Maybe he's like a 15-homer guy, a 17-homer guy, whatever. He's not like a one-homer guy. He's just like Jason Tyner or somebody, um, <laughs> you know, um, to throw out a former Met for Matt, you. But, Matt, yep, remember? Yeah, so, so Mateo was basically, I don't want to say free, but he was one of those guys that was so inexpensive in ADP that if you targeted him, if he was part of your draft plan, you may have him on all your rosters. He would be easy to get. Nobody was fighting you on Mateo. Nope. And he looks like he solidified, solidified his job. He's gotten better at a few things. The category juice will play. I Man, I, I miss that. He's also – this isn't necessarily a reason why you draft guys, but the Orioles are such a fun team, and the, I want paths to this team. It feels like the guys I have on the team are the wrong guys they have so far this year. But I got Mateo wrong, and I think if we redrafted, probably there'd be a little bit of skepticism in the room, but he'd certainly go in the top. 200 i think he'd be around i don't know pick 140 150 something like that and, and i'd probably be in there pitching for him yep me too Here so i'll uh i'll take the baton we don't have to see, say that much about more about goldschmidt look he's always been one of my favorite players and i faded him for the season even wrote him up as a fade for two very simple reasons one very lucky in his expected stats last year he outkicked what the stat cast data said his average in slugging should have been and also, there were just other first basemen around his ADP pocket, like Matt Olson, who's been fine. The average could be a little bit higher. I, I still think Matt Olson is going to be somebody I'm glad I have by the end of the year. I'm frustrated to see him hitting home runs for you in our home run derby. But be that as it may, I, I said Goldschmidt's like a half round to a round too expensive for me. His other first baseman I want to get. Goldschmidt's in his mid-30s now. He just had an MVP season. Yeah, Maybe he just has a tiny bit of regression. And, and I don't know. Maybe Paul Goldschmidt, maybe he follows the Mookie Betts rule for me. Which is like, when have you ever regretted drafting Mookie Betts? I'll take the Mookie Betts in the first round of a draft. But like, oh, take this, take Bobby Witt. He's younger. He's got all this unknown upside. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. When have I ever regretted having Mookie Betts? I realize someday Mookie Betts will be 39 and I'll draft him and he won't be good. And I'm like, oh, I regretted <laughs> it that year. But Paul Goldschmidt's one of those players who will probably just be good until the day he retires. And I don't yeah. have any of Paul Goldschmidt. And, and even the three home runs he hit for my home run derby team didn't help me. So that's a big FOMO for me. Yeah, Goldschmidt's performing. A lot of the Cardinals are not. As as we know, Nolan, Nolan Arnato has not played well. Uh, the pitching staff, I, I think they probably should have added a starting pitcher to this squad coming into the year. So I think that might have been ill-conceived as well. Um, but I, I, finally I, given up. I think I finally give up on Steven Matz. I have made excuses yeah. after excuses. And then like last year, I'm like, well, think of all these gold glovers. How bad can Steven Matz be? I give up, Steven Matz. You, you can be that bad. And Jack Flaherty, you know, oh, I don't know how optimistic man. you could be on him coming into the year, but no. especially that start the other day, just uh, brutal. God, brutal. What, what, 10 runs was it? I, yeah. I, it's sad to see. I thought Jack Flaherty a, a couple of years ago was like on the short list of Cy Young contenders. Sure. He's, obvi- he's just not healthy right now. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe he's going to be reinvented as a reliever. Or maybe he needs to take some time off. But it's uh, th- there's there's a guy, I mean, I, I people are dropping Jack Flaherty, and I don't blame them. I sure. get it. Yeah, me too. So a name I, I don't have on any of my teams, and this is someone I talked about as a fade coming into the season, for me personally, Spencer Strider. So his ADP coming into the year, 28.33. This was in March exclusively. So March drafts, basically a second round pick, 
maybe third round in some leagues, fourth highest among starting pitchers, but he's backed up everything he did last year and maybe even more. So last season, 38.3 strikeout rate this year so far, 42.4. So he's striking out batters at a higher rate this year than even he did last year. Nine or more strikeouts and six out of his seven starts. The one that he didn't get nine strikeouts and he had eight. So he's doing everything he could ask for. 2.70 ERA, number five ranked starting pitcher currently in Yahoo leagues uh, behind Garrett Cole, Joe Ryan, Zach Gallen, Justin Steele. I think I have all of those other pitchers on my roster, at least somewhere, but I do not have any Spencer Strider. I don't either. He wasn't a pound the table fade for me, but it's two two things are two things came up which kept me from drafting Strider. One, he'd only done it once. He'd had one dynamic exactly. season. And right. two, this is a big thing, and we talk about this a lot with starting pitchers. We like to see three pitches. He's a two-pitch pitcher. I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm like, okay, whatever. His two pitches are dominant. He yeah. and he's a, he's a lawnmower man. I I feel like every time he pitches, you get the big strikeout game. He, he's he's nasty. He's, he's got a swagger to him. He's obviously tied to a Braves team, which helps. And in leagues where I in when I look at leagues where I have my better teams, it's like one league I was in first place. I got knocked down the second this week. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? Oh yeah, the Strider, the Strider manager is just me, you know? <laughs> so yeah. he's. You're going to feel the footprint. If you don't have Strider, you're going to feel it because he's going to be on a lot of championship teams this year. We, we have a thing in Yahoo called MVPs, which shows how often a player is rostered on, I think, the top 500 Yahoo teams. I haven't looked at it yet this year, although it's around the time where I put some stock into it. I'm sure Spencer Strider is high up on that list because yeah. he's a right answer at pitcher. And, man, when you have a pitcher who's cooking, you think of – I don't mean to open up an old wound, but you think about when Jacob DeGrom was healthy on the Oh, bats. yeah. Mm-hmm. The great thing is every five days you're like, I have a date with Jacob DeGrom. I'm just going to sit – Put on SNY, listen to Ron, Keith, and, and and Gary, who we obviously love here, and watch DeGrom dominate for two hours and, and yep. watch the bullpen blow his game at the end of it. Which <laughs> Not score any runs, yeah. yeah. Spencer Strider's like that. If you yep. roster this guy, you know when he's pitching. You have it marked off, and whatever happened to you that day, you know it's raining out, you have a bad day at work, your dog ate the couch, doesn't matter. Spencer Strider's going to strike out 11 that night. You're going to be happy. Yeah, he's the closest thing. I mean, DeGrom's on the injured list right now. We'll see how soon he comes back, but Strider is the comp there. And I think it's not not an unrealistic one, totally reasonable. Um, and yeah, I mean, there were certain days where, you know, DeGrom had a deeper arsenal, but there were some games where it's like, I don't need it. I'll throw two pitches, and if they can hit it, great, and I'll adjust. But some days he felt like he only needed two. And, you know, Strider is an incredibly intelligent pitcher too always looking for ways to improve has reverse engineer some of jacob Degrom's pitches so he knows he's a comp too uh and really backing up what he did last year well just like what you said um, my only hiccup with strider going into drafts this year is that he hadn't done it over a full season yet and it only happened once i think he ended the regular season last year with kind of an oblique issue if i remember correctly so there were just a couple things in my head that made me push him back especially in a year where I was comfortable waiting on starting pitching, where I wasn't going to be super aggressive out of the gate. So that's basically why he's not on any of my teams. So somebody who's not on any of my teams is on my favorite team, the Red Sox. They threw a big contract at Mazataka Yoshida. Looked the part in the WBC, right? I mean, he's, he's got good approach. How much would the power translate? It's funny. He didn't hit much for maybe the first 20 games or so. Yeah. And there's a Boston sports writer named Dan Shaughnessy who – 
has some good qualities, but he can be a little bit of a troll. He likes to kind of play around with the fan base. He, he basically built his house and sent his kids to college off the curse of the Bambino. And he wrote a scathing note in one of his uh, weekend columns where he just does like a, a bucket of notes. And it's this breezy read. I always read it. Mm-hmm. He talked about Yoshida. How much money did they pay for this guy? And, you know, Bloom made a huge mistake and, you know, just money thrown. You know, this is the best you could do for this money you threw around. And since then, Yoshida's hit like Ted Williams. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's hit like 450, 450 yeah. 600, 850 since then or something like that. Something crazy. And I thought the Red Sox were going to have maybe just an average lineup. I wasn't thrilled with the construction of it. I still don't know how right. deep it is one to nine, although one of my fab pickups this week was Connor Wong. I need to get Vasquez off my team. But the lineup right now looks like a top five lineup. Obviously, Fenway Park is always in play. Yeah. And Yoshida's a blast. I, I enjoy every one of his bats. He's one of those guys that when I know his bats coming up, I, I will wait around for it because I really like his sure. approach to the plate. I think he's, and also guys like him can really fit Fenway Park. Look at what Fred Lynn did. Look at his home road splits. I don't know why he ever left Fenway, but I'm happy Yoshida's hitting for the Red Sox. I'm really happy the team's competitive and the lineup is really good. good. I, I don't know how they're doing it with the pitching staff because the pitching yeah. looks like it's held together by scotch tape, but. Yeah. You don't have any Yoshida's. How do you feel when your when your team picks a winner but you don't have them anywhere? It's it's kind of a mixed mixed feeling. Yeah, I think there was the unknown quantity factor. There was a big contract. There was some mixed reviews from analysts around the game about this contract. There was also yeah the questions a little bit about the power. Is he going to be more of an on base guy? Was he going to hit lead off? There were a lot of just things where kind of pointing in the direction of. It makes sense to play it safer with veterans or maybe someone we've seen a little bit of in the majors. So I think I have Yoshida on, on one team, but not a lot of coverage for me there either. Uh, and yeah, after the, the first couple of weeks where he made some adjustments, he's looked, he's looked really good. The Red Sox have played great recently. The Yankees only won game over 500. They're in, they're in last place right now. Yeah, we talked uh, about this. This is the AL East we grew up with where it's like it's big, bad. Keep your pitchers away from these. There's no bad team here. Every, yeah. I know the Yankees right now, their offense is down. Eventually, they'll get judged back. And much like the Yankees, we talked about the Cardinals, you know, their devil magic eventually pays off. The Yankees are one of those teams. Even when they look down, something's going to happen. Some, some non-contender will package one of their great players for like three <laughs> quasi-Yankee prospects. And then the Yankees will be back in the they're, they're the monster under the bed that you know even when you think you've killed the monster it's still alive it's still out to get you so uh, the yeah. AL East is not to be trifled with man they could really mess up your ERA every team in the AL East has a winning record and a positive, positive run run differential, run differential. Yeah. so they're I mean everyone in there is good not a, not a huge surprise that and while most of them have to play Tampa Bay I think they've all played Tampa Bay at least once too and we know they're the story of the year right just talk talk yeah. about a team that. Everything they do seems. I mean, if Tampa Bay went to the blackjack table, they, they'd hit eighteen and catch a three. It seems like everything <laughs> they do is right. Yeah. Of course, what did I do? I drafted Springs, and you know, I broke him like ten days later. That was really, really frustrating. I did have Springs on multiple teams. He was one of the pitchers okay. I was in on this year, so that is a little, little bit frustrating. Kind of speaks to where I am in, in a lot of my leagues right now. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. My next two picks are both Rangers. So, Jonah Heim, the catcher, Mm -hmm. uh, he has looked really good this year, hitting 313, six homers, 26 RBIs, 22 runs scored. We saw a little bit from him last year as far as power goes. I still wasn't really in on him at all. Uh, but the ADP on him, you know, he's being drafted in a decent number of leagues, 237.04 ADP. So, you know, late round type of catcher just to fill a spot. Certainly in two catcher leagues, he was rostered. But you look at where Haim is with the strikeout rate, 17.9%. So he's making a lot of contact, hitting for power. Getting on base to his walk rate, 9.8%. So I don't think there's anything necessarily super fluky here. I don't think he's going to hit 313 over the course of a full season. But probably a player, if you wanted to wait on a catcher and take a shot on someone, it would have made sense to maybe grab him late. I did not. I think there were other catchers I liked better. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I had that on my in my expectations coming into the year. Josh Young is another one. Uh, ADP on him, 221.48. The strikeout rate was over 30% and just a small sample we saw with him last year. Strikeout rate's still still high, but he's doing a lot of damage when he makes contact. 808 OPS, eight home runs, 24 RBIs, 23 runs scored over 31 games. I like the Rangers lineup when they're all healthy there. They'll get Corey Seager back eventually. A lot of Young's production has it been against left-handed pitching so far? So I think that's something to watch with him. But still, number six ranked third base eligible player in Yahoo League so far. Texas, top offensive baseball, 6.7 runs per game. And that's yep. with getting very little out of Seager, as you mentioned, coming back soon. Right now, Adolis Garcia, number three player in 5 by 5 value. Marcus Semien, who's somebody I did have a lot of, is top 10. The thing that hurts me with Haim is that he was in some of my one catcher leagues. He was a free agent even after he started to produce. And I'd look at the free agents and I'd see Haim. Like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't know. How I, much I believe in this. I, I could have had him. He, he was out there to be had for nuts. All the only price I had to pay is the weakest perceived player in my roster. I yeah. had spins. I had chances at this. I looked at his name over and over again yep. and kept thinking, oh, I don't need a catcher. Or and, and, you know, even if you don't think you need a catcher. Whatever, play one in your utility, or you're trying to maximize mm-hmm. your game's play. Not every catcher plays every day, and, and I'm curious to see if Heim's playing time goes up. He's still middle of the pack at this position with 99 at-bats, even though he's produced so well. But, man, just getting a path into good lineups is is usually a good thing, and and that will yeah. carry over to one of my picks. I've talked about him a little bit on the podcast. So I, I don't think there's any need to belabor the point. Bryce Harper, I've said many times, you know, don't believe players when they all say, I'm coming back early, everything's going great. Not that Harper was talking all that much, but the early drumbeat was that Harper was ahead of schedule. Oh, yeah, ahead of schedule, back in early May, looks great. 
already hitting well over 300, you know, getting on base. He had a home run this week, just doing Bryce yep. Harper things. And when he's healthy, he's a first round, at worst, a second round fantasy player. He's a top 15 guy and capable of being a top five guy in any season. I still think this lineup will come around. I know it hasn't been that great. It didn't help getting Hoskins early in the season. There's been some other bad luck with this lineup. But man, you put a healthy Bryce Harper back in it. I do have him on one team. It's on my friends and family league team, which isn't really going anywhere right now. So all I need is Bryce Harper to basically have an MVP season the rest of the way, and maybe I'll start moving up. But this was out there. This was gettable. I was in so many leagues where people were just shrugging at Harper. Yep. Uh, even even if the auction comes up, he'd go for like a, a really modest amount. Everybody looked at each other like, "What do we just allow that guy to do? Why do we mm-hmm. or, or that girl to do? Why why do we let that person get Bryce Harper so cheap?" And even then, he yep. came back ahead of schedule. I I feel like this was out there an obvious win. He's it's unless he gets hurt again, he's an easy ADP crusher. And I got one doubt. lousy share. One lousy yeah. share. It really hurts. I have one as well, which I'm thrilled about, but I, I do wish uh, that I had more. Did you see that Bryce Harper, uh, Chris Sale confrontation, not confrontation, at bat? Uh, I believe it was Friday night, right, with Chris Sale gearing it up to 99 miles per hour against Harper? You know, I, I've said some not favorable things about Sale the last couple of seasons because he's been hurt and everything, but... No, but there's two guys who will leave it. I mean, Chris Sale would pitch with his elbow falling off. I mean, he's got so much you know, guts and heart and, and Harper's like that. You know, as fans, as followers of the game, we want the players to care as much as we do. And at least between the lines, I know Sale can be kind of a quirky guy in the clubhouse at times, mm-hmm. although I don't want to pretend I know him because I don't. But So I, I'm getting a lot of that third hand. But you can't ever say that, like, Chris Sale and Bryce Harper don't leave it on the field. There's the other guys you pay to see. And I love yep. when you, you get to see a matchup like that, right? I mean, that's, that's what you live for. You live for Mike Trout in the WBC against Otani. You live for sale against Harper and, and hoping they can both have comeback seasons off injuries and stuff like that. That's what makes baseball great. Yeah, you could really see the adrenaline pumping with sale in that at bat. Like, you know, we talk about max effort. I mean, that's what those pitches look like uh, in that at bat. That, I mean, it was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed watching that at bat. The last one for me is Hunter Brown, the Astros rookie, and he's going to have a lot on his shoulders now with Luis Garcia undergoing Tommy John surgery. Uh, Jose Arquiti is out maybe until the All Star break, so a lot mm-hmm. is good, a lot of pressure on this this young pitcher. But so far, he's been equal to the task, and he was someone who was hyped in the spring, had an ADP of two twelve point seven one throughout the month of March. As his name was kind of jumping up on the radar, I just didn't want to take a chance on a, on a rookie pitcher. Um, I thought the hype was maybe getting a little higher than I was comfortable with. And sometimes it's just the way the drafts fell. I don't think it was anything personal with Brown, but he's been pretty good so far. 2.60 ERA uh, through six starts, 36 strikeouts, 15 walks. Maybe you want to see a little better control and 34 and two thirds innings. Some ups and downs. This is what happens with rookie pitchers. Three really great starts, seven inning outings in three of his starts, three not so good starts. That's part of the deal with a rookie pitcher. But uh, underneath of it, to have this 2.60 ERA, more than a strikeout per inning, as the Astros backing him, who should only get better when Jose Altuve comes back. I do wish I had a little more Hunter Brown. Yeah, there's one case where I did pay a little bit of the helium. Now, I don't know how many innings we can reasonably expect, but he's yeah. gone from. My case for Brown, and the reason I'm lucky I got him, is people are saying before the year, well, does he have a rotation spot? And I was thinking, well, just just assume the skills. This is the Ron Chandler, bet on skills, not roles. 
especially with pitchers, because somebody's going to pitch bad or somebody's going to get hurt. And if you're good, they're going to find room for you. And now the Astros, Brown has gone from a luxury for them, a luxury item to somebody they actually need. That they, yeah. Thank God he's panned out for that. As you said, not every start has been great, but he's certainly lived up to the hype so far. I have three more guys on my list, so I'll just bounce through them really quickly. Uh, Jared Kelnick. Not only do I not have any Kelnick right now, but I dro- I dropped him in a 10-team league, um, right. online auction with my buddies in, in Michigan. So he was picked up by Peter Morris, great baseball writer, Hall of Fame voter, just an all-around renaissance man. So not only do I not have Kelnick, but he's on the team that just passed me in first place. So he's <laughs> sticking it to me. Really painful. That's a league, really fun format. You only you get 20 pickups, make them anytime you want, but that's it. And every week I, I see it's a weekly lineup league, and every week I see something I want to fix. I'm like, I gotta sit. I can't. I gotta stop making pickups. I've already made nine of my pickups. I only have eleven left for the rest of the season. My team's in second, so I, I think I have to really sit on my hands and just say, no, I, I don't need this guy. I don't need this guy. Yeah. We talked about the Texas lineup. I picked up Duran this week. He covers three positions, I believe. Yeah. He had for such power in the minors, even if he starts paying for the swing and miss in his game and the lack of walks. I think he's going to be good all season. But anyway, Kellnick's kill, killing me. Jose Alvarado's strikeout rate last year was ridiculous, and then he picked it up. I always talk about, look at that walk strikeout rate early and jump on it. I didn't jump on it with Alvarado. And I don't know the role can be a little bit dicey. He pitched in the seventh thing on the weekend. Yeah. I wish Philadelphia was maybe a little bit more streamlined. It's funny. As a fan, I want teams to use the best pitcher. Who cares about the save rule? And as a fantasy analyst, I think I kind of like it when I want saves from a guy to, to go to them. It of makes course. it a little bit easier. So I, I talk out of both sides of my mouth with that. But Jose Alvarado checked a lot of boxes for me, and yet I didn't check the box and pick him up or draft him. That was out there to be had. The last one really, really hurts because Anthony Discasfani was great for me two years ago. Last year, all about the ankle injury. And this year I said, okay, here's one of my starred late rounds, Discafani. Get a round on him, get him cheap, get him in keep. I really believed in him. And then the draft season ended, and I think I had one share of him. I'm not even sure where it is, probably on a team that's in ninth place. And he looks terrific. I know the strikeout rate isn't through the roof or anything, but all he needed to – not only is he coming back from an injury, but it's an ankle injury. It's not an elbow. It's not a shoulder. It's not Tommy John. It's an ankle injury. It's something you can totally – once he's healthy, it's like, okay, no need to worry about that anymore. I know he's pitching over his head right now, but he'll be – startable set it and forget it i think in just about every mixed league for the foreseeable future and there aren't that many guys like that so yeah he was on my list and i I kept finding other guys and i man i i feel like i should be saying if we did a podcast of you know who are your hits who are the guys you're really happy about oh yeah i got i have like 70 percent exposure to di stefani no it's like five percent and it really hurts I got Descalfani in the reserve rounds of nl only labor perfect very excited about However, this week, because um, I dr- also drafted uh, Brandon Fought with the Diamondbacks, he was activated. I drafted him. He was not a reserve pick. Mm-hmm. So in labor, it's kind of quirky with the rules. Yep. So I have to bench Desclafani this week to make room for Fought because he has to be active. So Desclafani, and I have no one else I can really sit uh, or I would have to drop them. So it's a, it's a weird, quirky thing. I might have to make a trade with my pitching staff to make this all fit together. But I'm super bummed. I have bench Disclafani this week. It's one of those weird rules of that league. I hear you. I want to mention one other thing. Uh, Producer Adam points out that Yoshida is currently the favorite in the AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, I believe it. Uh, markets. Yeah. And so I, I guess what I could do for some of my FOMO is maybe put a ticket on, on Yoshida to win that. Well, I should have done it, done it before the season, right? I know. And we see this a lot. 
with you know these guys they really aren't rookies because he played at a high level of baseball professional level but then some voters will hold that against the player some voters won't but um there's just another case of me getting it wrong i could have put a, a you know a total fanboy oh okay i'll just put a couple of bucks on yoshida to win rookie of the year i don't know what his preseason price was but the market has caught yeah. up and now he's the favorite yeah national league should be interesting uh one player that i do not think will win will be kode senga who's pitched okay but he's almost walked a batter per inning. Like it's really high. He succeeded despite that so far. If I think if I wanted to put a ticket on anyone today, I might do Brett Beatty because he's really caught fire recently. Now hitting in the middle of the lineup, playing every day. No more, no more worried about platoons. Uh, you know, sitting against lefties. I think you could still get uh, Beatty at a reasonable price right now. So you also get full timer the rest of the way. You think he's he's finally carved that out? Yeah, I, the unless I mean, he could always struggle and you know get dropped in the order. Also, Francisco Alvarez has been coming around at the plate too. So two positives on a team that needs everything they can get right now. Just a quick reminder: we're going to talk some fab here in a second. Weekend pickups, but before we do that, just a quick reminder. Sunday morning means MLB Sunday leadoff. Watch exclusive live games all season long on Peacock, a really good one. This coming Sunday, you can watch Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and the Angels take on the Guardians in Cleveland. Really fun matchup. Uh, Catch the action live this Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. The game yesterday, which was simulcast on NBC, made the Braves and the Orioles another really good matchup. So, Good games coming up here on Peacock. Uh, be a treat to see Otani and Trout in action. So we're going to talk some weekend fab here. And, and one thing, one question I have for you, Scott, in my leagues, Bryce Miller, the Mariners rookie, went for a lot, a lot. He was very good in his debut, as we know, struck out 10 batters, six innings, a one-run ball. Yesterday against the Astros, five strikeouts over six scoreless innings. So I'm just going to pull up my fab here and see. So in one of my leagues, this is the uh, TGFBI league, uh, Bryce Miller went for 259. So a little more over a quarter of a team's budget for the entire year. And then in my Tout Wars league, uh, let's see. Tout Tout Wars, uh, Bryce Miller went for 293, so almost 30% of a team's budget. Is that is that crazy or does that seem right? I mean, I get it. Uh, Three twenty-seven, by the way, was the Bryce Miller price in my TGFBI, yeah. which is a fifteen-team mixed league. Great, great format. Shout out to Justin Mason for running that. It's just it's so yeah. fun to, to have that going on all at the same time, and it's a great draft yeah. resource. You can mm-hmm. see how the market prices guys when they they have skin in the game. I just I, I realize you can regret this if you don't get on the guy who pops, but. I just hate having to buy at the top of the market with fab and having to pay for the player to fab up for the player who everybody's interested in, who's going to cost you this big of a chunk. Cause now if Miller's not great, that, you know, in my case, in my league, somebody blew a third of their fab on him. And I just, yep. it's, it's, it's a bet I'm not comfortable making. I made competitive Miller bids in my league. Didn't get any of it. Didn't get any Matt Mervis, but I'm always looking if I can, it's not always, you can't always do it. Like Michael King, for example, was a, was a pickup in some leagues this week. I got him last week just for the quality of innings. And it, it seems like in the last week or so, he's maybe has – and we talked about him, I think, on the pickups pod too. He may actually have a path to being their best saves guy the rest of the yeah. season because it hasn't, it hasn't gone right 
for Holmes this year. And, and Holmes kind of came out of nowhere anyway. Relievers can run hot sure. and cold. And it's not unusual yeah. for a guy to be great one year and not great the next year. I just like to buy in the middle of the market or the bottom of the market. I don't like to pay up at the top of the market. So I don't have yeah. any mill. I don't have any Mervis. And I know it's maybe not satisfying to people. He, he These are the guys who people were paid up for, and I think they'll be good, but it's just not my fab style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is interesting that in most leagues, kind of across the board, everything I've seen today, Bryce Miller went for over 300, pretty much everywhere, uh, which is interesting to me because that seems really high. Like I'm trying to think of comparable names in recent years as far as call-ups that went for over 300. So not many. It's a very short list. So I'll tell you some of the maybe not the most exciting guys in the in the world, but I mentioned Connor Wong. Um, I just got sick of Christian Vasquez doing nothing for my team, and mm-hmm. I believe in the Red Sox lineup. I got Wong, and, and a couple of times Jason Adam was available, and I I bid as much as I could. <laughs> didn't didn't land him anywhere, but with right now he's their closer, and I know Tampa Bay generally spreads the saves around, but we don't know when Fairbanks is coming back and, and Tampa Bay just wins so often. And I realize a lot of their wins have been non-save wins, but yeah. having anything tied to this offense sure looks like a good bet for me. Um, yep. I can't quit. I know we get a loss on the weekend. It was kind of a, a BS loss because it was the, the ghost runners were coming in to score against them. But I still think Adbert Alzale might be the best reliever in, in the Cubs bullpen. Yep. We've seen Fulmer been up and down so far this year. So I took a couple of shots on him. I also want to mention, and I don't want to kick a guy when he's down, but we we did the FOMO list. Eloy Jimenez is becoming kind of anti-FOMO for me. Why is yeah. he on all my teams? He's on the injured list again. Yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe he's just born under a bad sign. Maybe we're going to think back of what if Eloy Jimenez had a healthy career? Would he be a Hall of Famer? Sure. Would he have won an MVP or two? It's it's just depressing that I, I feel like I spend every Monday you know playing the game with, is he healthy this week? Is he not healthy this week? Do I trust him? Who am I going to replace him with? I would like to burn just about every nice thing I said about the White Sox this preseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're another team. I mean, the talent is clearly there. I mean, they they could bounce back, but I mean, they over the past like five years, given the construction of their team, prospects coming up, free agent additions, like they should have been better than they have been. Like I thought this run was going to be a lot more fruitful for the White Sox than it's turned out, unfortunately. So some of the other names, and this is exclusively from my Tout Wars Mixed Draft roster, because in my uh, TGFBI league, not a lot of exciting pickups. Michael Garcia, the rookie with the Royals, kind of interesting there. There's some speed to his game. I got Trey Mancini just to add some power to my lineup. I'm not too thrilled about JP France as the fill-in with the Astros rotation. You know, the control is a little bit problematic for me. But when we go over to the uh, to my uh, Tot Wars uh, Mixed Draft League, Anthony Santander was actually dropped last week. So I tried to jump on him. I thought I put up a pretty high bid. He actually went for higher than Bryce Miller, 315. Wow. I kind of get that, though. Like, this is a guy who can hit 30 home runs, you know? I, I kind of understand that. It was a, quite a bit higher than I was willing to go. I think mine was like 150 something like that. But yeah, went really high there. Michael King went for 88. You mentioned him. That that makes some sense. Uh, I got Luis Garcia, the, the young infielder with the Nationals. He's showing some positive signs. We'll see where that goes. I'm just looking for any extra hitting help where I can because my team is not doing well. Ezekiel Tovar went for 88. Uh, JP France, who I mentioned, went for 66. Uh, JJ Bladey, 
with the athletics went for 36. He was kind of a popular pickup over the weekend. He made a swing change coming into this year. We'll see if it works out. That was the AJ puck trade between the A's and the, and the Marlins during spring training. Not super, not a huge fan of Bladey, but he has the prospect pedigree. You never know. It could all come in together for him. And with the A's, they're, they're willing to give these kind of players a shot. It's funny. You mentioned AJ, uh, AJ puck. Have you seen Miami's, I believe undefeated one run games and they're just getting creamed. Yeah. I think they're 11 and 0 in one run games. And then they have like four or five wins other than that. <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy. And run differential. You talked about the AL East having all positive run differential. I mean, that's the show of strength, right? I mean, when a mm-hmm. team has a great run differential, that means they're good. And when a team has a winning record with a negative run differential, it's probably a mirage. Yeah. You talk about trying to get offense anywhere you can get it. In one of my leagues, one of the smartest managers, uh, my friend John Greco, dropped J.D. Davis recently. And John lives in the San Francisco area. And I, it's a 13-team mixed league. I picked up Davis. I know he's not playing every day, and that makes me nervous. But, yeah. man, it's his slash line. He, he's probably got like a 115, 120 OPS plus right now. I, I, think, I don't think they're strong enough to keep him on the bench more often than not. And maybe yeah. it just needs one because he plays a couple different positions. If Conforto or Hanniger get hurt again or somebody falls into a slump, I think maybe Davis still plays six days a week. That's a weekly league where I don't have the benefit of seeing all the lineups ahead of time. And yeah. also, even on Monday's lineup, you know, because they play on the West Coast, it can be a little bit misleading. You, you want your your um, your management players, the guys who are maintenance, you want them to be in the early time zone so you get as much information as possible. When a player sure. is not in the lineup every day and he's in the West Coast team, it can be kind of frustrating because you have to make a guess. It's, it's kind of like in fantasy football where you have a player on the West Coast, you're not sure of his injury status, and then you have to make an incomplete decision, incomplete information decision at, at early kickoff. But I can't quit J.D. Davis, and I know you saw him up close and personally. He had a really good year with the Mets a few seasons ago. I, I still think he's one of these guys who always should have been. He reminds me a little bit of Luke Voigt, who I realize hasn't been relevant for a while, but just one of these guys who always had a bat that would play every day but maybe didn't always get the chance. I'm still a believer. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, he hits the ball extremely hard. Uh, the Giants have trended up a bit. They they lost to the Brewers on Sunday, but things are looking a bit better for them recently. Alex Wood began minor league rehab assignment over the weekend. I, I think this team's going to be in the mix all season. Michael Conforto's been bad so far. Uh, so that could, that's another avenue potentially for, for J.D. Davis, although he's not a great fielder really anywhere, but... Uh, his bat can definitely play. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention about Jonah Heim that I, I left out a little bit earlier. When you're talking about a player like him, who last year kind of, you know, he was fine. But this year, the numbers are through the roof. And you kind of wonder, like, is he just getting extremely lucky? So I'm bringing up Jonah Heim's uh, baseball savant page. His expected batting average is 303 this year so far. And he's 80, 83rd percentile or better. In average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, well, barrel percentage is 82 percentile. But, I mean, he's making the hard contact. He's he's not striking out. He's also a really good framer, too. So, like, that helps as far as playing time. I mean, he's looking like the real deal to me so far. And, I, again, we both talked about time is just – you could get him anywhere, really, in most leagues coming into the spring and kind of amazing – uh, what he's turned into so far. Yeah, I love that you mentioned his framing because that, that's going to keep him in the lineup behind the plate. And also last week, 
not only does he start six straight games, but the one game he didn't catch, they DH'd him. I love it. Yeah. Anytime they take a, a good hitting catcher and they say, well, you're so valuable to us, we're going to play you at first base. We're going to play you at DH. Yeah. We need you in the lineup still. That is a game changer because that's right. where the extra playing time comes from because a lot of these catchers are looking at 60, 65, 70% at most. The Rangers, yeah. best lineup in baseball right now. And look, it doesn't have to be the best lineup all season. The point is this. we I think we'd be foolish to not – at least expect the Rangers to be a plus lineup. You know, is it a destination lineup? Is it playing a little bit over its head right now? You could say so, but they're going to get Seager back. Simeon's yep. such a good player. You know, Adolis Garcia is another guy we, we talked about, you know, just falling category juice and not necessarily sweating about approach so much. I get it. He's never going to have a great OBP. Five by five doesn't care about OBP as long as he stays in the lineup, hits home runs, yeah. steals the occasional base. I, this was, yeah, I was trying to find. The underserved offense. I, I kind of landed on the Reds. I'm like, oh, maybe the Reds are the underserved offense. I feel like Texas was the underserved offense. Like, look, and I get it. It's a month. For all we know, a month from now, we, there may be another team that's really shiny and new, and, and the Rangers won't look as exciting. But if you had targeted this team, if you were just a big Rangers fan, or you, you saw a couple of these guys on the fringes, maybe you just picked up Heim early in your league, man. You, you talked about Young and what he's doing. Duran, I'm excited. It got to the point where I picked the bottom line of me picking up Duran in that league where I only had 20 pickups is I wanted a ticket to Texas. That's what they become yeah. to me. They're a destination offense right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, they they had a really good game yesterday against the Angels. And even Laoti Tavares is is hitting right now. He's hitting 300. Uh, he had a four – he's hit safely in four straight games, had four RBIs yesterday, four hits. Uh, and they, they actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the catcher that I liked on the Rangers this year was Mitch Garver. Me and too. He's hurt, and he's Me hurt. Too. He was the one I was on, not Jonah Heim. So, yeah, yeah definitely I, listen to us, everything we I think my belief in, in Garver might have kept me off Heim a little bit, even though with Garver, he's almost just a hitter now. He's not really even a catcher anymore. But, True. yeah, and, and Garver got off to a good start, too. So, I think it, not only was I not picking up Heim early, I was probably taking a victory lap on Garver, which, which was very misguided right now. Yeah, so uh, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back Wednesday for our usual Waiver Wire Wednesday show. Thanks again, Scott. And remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, follow us on Twitter if you aren't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. 
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.